to just go off. Okay, so it's it. We're going. All right, I think we're good. Okay. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Andy, are you there?
Andy, I can't hear you. Oh, Andy, there you are. I can hear you now. How about now? I can hear you now, Andy. Yeah, hey, it it that's the way of the it's the way of the world. You tell me about it. <laughs> what are you gonna do? It, it, there could be uh, bigger problems, and uh, it, it, we, we two minute setback, no big deal. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. All right, um, so welcome. Uh, this is uh, Chewy's Road to Enlightenment um, podcast that I do out of my house. Um, and today's guest is Andy Kimball. Um, he's an artist, musician, pilot, um, and we're going to have a nice talk here. Uh, so, Andy, um, you're born in Philly. Yeah, Philly born and raised. And uh, what was that like, uh, you know, growing up in Philly, um, you know, in the time when you did? Well, I, I'm from the Philly suburbs, you know, not, not, in, not in Philadelphia, but in the uh, suburbs of Philadelphia. Um, okay. Now, were your folks involved with music at all, or? My father was very, actually very prominent uh, pulmonary physician who actually became a chief of very big teaching hospital in Philadelphia. And my mother was an English professor. She's still my mother's still here. As a matter of fact, she moved down to California, uh, but she was an English professor back in Philadelphia at Penn State and then at Temple University. And she was a, a musician. She was a guitar player. And when we were growing okay. up. When we were real little, you know, she used to have these jam sessions and we played a lot of her, her magician friends over and um, then she used to entertain the three of us, the three of us kids with the folk music and the guitar work and uh, she still has that same Martin guitar. I occasionally still play it, the same guitar I learned on way back when. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Talk about fortunate. Uh, how old's your mom? 93. But oh, my God. God bless her. Oh my God! Good for her. Yeah, she Good for her. If you saw her, you'd say there's no way you're, you're born that way. You know, she's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, <clears throat> there's something to be said about having, um, uh, you know, music in your heart, in your soul. Um, it keeps you young. It, it, you know, it, it's. Um, I I think it uh, it's, it it's it's a key to being you a youthful person, um, and. Uh, 
you know, and that's great. You know, having music in the house at a young age is, uh, is huge. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not my, and my folks were the same way, always playing music. And my grandmother, you know, was always playing Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, um, Elvis, you know, we grew up with Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, well, my folks were into classical music, but my mother was playing, always played records of the old folk artists, you know, Dave Van Ronk and Burl Ives and Peter Paul Mary and Hubert and uh, uh, Pete Seeger, you know, and we grew up to that. And then they also had season tickets to all the operas and the New York Orchestra and so forth. So we had music, you know, the Beatles, when the Beatles first recorded, you know, my mom was the first one to score to buy the albums. You know, we, we had music in the house all the time, all the time. That, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's, I think once, once you have that, music in your household and i think it definitely gets passed down generation to generation you know you know not i have four kids um they're they all enjoy music my youngest plays guitar and and, you know enjoys playing and, and we always have records on in the house and uh you know there's just something to be said about having music in the house um you know being able to enjoy records or you know over good conversation with people you have music in the background it just sets the mood it's it's uh it's a good thing it, it's a definitely a good thing Your microphone's fading out just a little bit, Andy. Okay, is it still better? Yeah, that's definitely better right there. Absolutely. So I I guess uh you know, you started playing guitar eight years old. Um, you transitioned, you played, started pa- playing piano too at a young age? I started playing piano before guitar, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Right next, and the very next day, I was picking the blues. Now, I didn't know what the blues were. I had no idea what the blues were, but I was picking out blues stuff. I was doing like Travis picking stuff. And uh, with those three chords, which are kind of the heart root of blues to this day, you know, I've yep. one, four, five progression. And um, and I started playing blues back then, having no idea what they were, but I did. <laughs> and I look it, back, I'm like, hey, wow, that's kind of cool. <laughs> you were onto something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and now, now I know. Uh, so you, you were playing guitar, you were playing piano at a young age, uh-huh. your kind of interest, you always had mu- music, um, then you grew up and you uh, you went on to become a, a pilot. Yeah, I was a professional pilot for play, and flight instructor for quite some time, actually. Yeah, I figured, you know, I wanted to be a, a, a rock star, a folk musician, you know, and uh, I had a difficult time uh, gaining a captive audience, so I had this great idea. Well, how can I get a captive audience? I said, I know 
Help you pilot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I couldn't wait to my first passenger jet flight when I got to make the passenger announcement and say, well, folks, I got to tell you something about myself. This is Captain Andy up here. And uh, you should know I'm actually a frustrated folk musician. And you also probably know that this plane lands when and where I say it does. So uh, <laughs> I always want to captive audience. So I'm thinking Kumbaya, people's cave gee. Left side plays the melody. Right side is the harmony. That's anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> no, but actually, I, I've always wa- I wanted to be actually uh, I want to be an astronaut um, as a kid or really little. Seventy six years old. I always had a fascination with space. And I remember walking along one time, walking along the street. I went to a progressive elementary school uh, outdoors all the time. They call the teachers by the first name. Okay. Uh, they, you know, they, they, they see what you want to do and make classes of it. And, uh, you know, it's very, you know, uh, liberal, progressive school. And it was absolutely the most wonderful thing to this day, college, high school, and looking back, all the successful training I had, uh, probably the greatest thing that my parents ever, ever got me in terms of education was that school called Mequon School. It's still in existence right now. It's out of Philadelphia. It is absolutely incredible. It is an amazing, amazing, amazing program. Now, that's, now did, they, um, did they push you to play music in school, or did you have that opportunity? Here's what happened. I, I was very uh, – when I went to public school for the first time in like two, three years, I think it was, um, I, I went to start with Mequon fourth grade. Um, and so I switched over to Mequon, and uh, I, I didn't know anybody. You know, I was in public school and kind of went through, and I you know, did the school plays in public school and all that. And, you know, but um, when I uh, went to Mequon, um, I was just kind of getting into guitar a little bit at home a little bit and I noticed that I'm, I'm talking like a fourth, fourth or fifth grader at this point and the Beatles had just recorded Day Tripper and the thing to play on the guitar back then was the riff to Day Tripper and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of standing by myself and saw that the two guys who were playing who were known they had the Beatle haircuts and they were good guitar players maybe in fourth grade or whatever and everybody crowded around them while they you know jammed away on the Day Tripper riff I'm thinking to myself and it seemed the, the faster they played it the more the girls liked them yeah, so I, I figured, you know, today I went home, I worked out Day Tripper, and I said, I can do this. Next day I go in, I grab the guitar, and I ripped out Day Tripper, and all of a sudden everybody's gathering around me. Well, it was great. You know? <laughs> that, but that was, so that was your first, like, audience then? That was my first audience, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then actually the music uh, teacher then, uh, um, who carried around an acoustic guitar on his back, sang all these folk songs, you know, we had assemblies before we left every day, and he'd sing "So Long." It's been good to know you, and some old Pete Seeger tunes, and you know, and everybody sang along with him. And uh, he saw me play guitar, and he went over to me. He said, "Well, you, you, you're quite talented." And he actually started a class for me with a band. He actually put some other kids together with me, and we started a band. And he started giving me a few lessons, and we played as a band in fourth grade. As a matter of fact, we got a big write-off in the Philadelphia Bulletin. I still have the paper. Um, that was my first, like, real, you know, I played acoustic guitar. We had a washtub bass. Uh, I forget the other, whatever the other instruments were. But, um, yeah, so we played, and we played all the school assemblies, and we were, we called ourselves the Dimensions. We played all the, everything the monkeys recorded, we played. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, man, the monkeys. That was, uh, <clears throat> so we used to watch the reruns, and, you know, my, my folks, you know, when, when they were younger, they watched the monkeys. And, uh, yeah, I, good memories and yeah. you know it was always happy upbeat uh you know never really any negativity which was awesome about them you, you know they were just just a fun 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 band that's awesome absolutely 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I saw it, that's music happened. I always wanted to be an astronaut, as I said, and um, getting back into aviation, I I had no I had no intention of playing music for a living. That was not on my radar whatsoever. Absolutely not. I enjoyed playing guitar. I was good at it. I played piano. Um, you know, went to public. When I after Newfound, I went back to public school um, and uh, started a band in seventh grade. Or you know, we played every bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, sweet sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you could get, right? We were playing. My dad used to drive me to the gigs with my column speakers and my guitar, and you know, all, the, all the parents were driving band members to the gigs. You know, we were 15 years old or whatever, 16, and uh, we started working quite a bit. You know, and um, uh, in, you know, for playing bar mitzvahs. You know, <laughs> and yeah. then uh, when I got a little older, I started playing uh, the Jersey Shore bars and clubs and so forth with the band, and uh, and still it was it was never. And I was in flight school. You know, I, I went to. Um, you know, I was uh, I wanted to become a I was getting my private pilot license when I was sixteen years old, seventeen years old, right around there. And That's I, awesome. I always told and when I knew I wanted to fly, which was I was eight, nine. I, I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And uh, unfortunately, got to go to school for engineering and physics and all that. And I hated math, so I'm thinking, you know, I don't think astronaut is. Yeah. <laughs> Not in your wheelhouse. <laughs> Let's talk about getting into algebra first, then we'll talk, you know? So, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, what, so um, I went to, I graduated high school. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went to, uh, I was taking, this is kind of an interesting story. So, I was taking private pilot license, uh, you know, for lessons. My, my folks drove me to my first lesson. Yeah. I couldn't wait till I was, I think it was 16 or something. We can, we can find out. Maybe it was 16, maybe it was 16. But anyway, um, and I'll never, because all I talked about was flying. You know, I had flying books, learning about flying, and looking mm-hmm. at, at airplane pictures, and and that's that was on my mind. That that was it. And um, my folks, and finally, I became sixteen. Boom! My folks drove me to a flying lesson at North Philadelphia Airport. And uh, it's kind of interesting because later on, when I became an instructor there. But anyway, the um, uh, it's really funny because my very first flying lesson, after doing nothing but talking about it for eight years, I was yeah. Like, I don't know about this. Yeah, know. I'm not sure, not really sure. Bumping <laughs> around a little bit here, you know, a little bumpy. I don't. This is this. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, I got over that pretty quick and uh, and continued, you know, with my private pilot training. So I was 17 when I got my private pilot license at 18, and uh, and you know, at that time you could rent an airplane for twenty dollars an hour. And I said, oh my god. Yeah. So my my buddies. And I went, oh, let me go back. So I went to my first semester of college. I went to a community college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I really didn't know. You know, so I went to a community college, figured it out, whatever. And, of course, when I went to community college, I noticed they had a music club with their own office. And I shortly thereafter became president of the music club. And we used to have, we had all these guitars and jam sessions. And even friends of mine from Penn and so forth, I'd invite them all up and play guitar and music. I'd cut classes just to play music. (laughs) I just, yeah, I got, and you know we'd be, and I had my own office. I had my own office at at school. At, That's at awesome. <laughs> so and I would be hanging around just with you know with some girls and all that and the guys and hanging in, in my office. I said I got psychology, so I go or just hang out here. Yeah, just stay here. Like, yeah, you're right. I'll stay. <laughs> yeah. Psychology <laughs> anyway. You know what's that? You know. But anyway, um, so it's interesting. So I had a girlfriend all through high school. You know, one one girl we started dating. She was fourteen. I was fifteen. We dated all, all through high school. So I almost lived at her house. So I went over there one time, and her dad said, and, and what I started doing at the college is I petitioned the college 
to produce concerts, major rock concerts, because I saw other universities were having these big concerts. And they yep. were pretty cool. So I petitioned the administrators at our school to do a concert. And they're like, what? No, we can't. We have to lose our gym. We can't ruin our gym floor. And I, I'll take care of all that. You know, yep. uh, you know, we can do this. And they said, okay, okay, we'll do it. We'll finance a concert. I was the first person to bring the band Kansas to Philadelphia. Oh, my God. That's awesome. And, and, and I got in touch with an agent who I told him, look, my name's Kimball. I'm the administrator at community college. I'd love to do concerts. Oh, great, great, great. So, Andy, we can get you a bunch of acts, but you also got to do some favors occasionally. And uh, we have a favor now. Uh, this band uh, called Kansas. And I said, I never heard of them. Well, believe me, you'll like them. We like, I'll give you a great price. I'll give you like less than a thousand dollars. Okay. So uh, I never heard of them. And um, we, you know, rented a tarp from another college, covered the gym floor, did all the advertising, um, sold out show. But here's the fun thing. Kansas showed up really early in the afternoon, like two o'clock in the afternoon. And that was it. It was a Saturday afternoon. Okay. And I don't think, I don't think it was. They showed up in a couple of panel bands or whatever, wherever they were, and the stage wasn't set up or anything. So uh, we played football. I played football with the Kansas band. And told That's them, awesome. We had a great time. We were playing football, and we, they called us, hey, guys, sound check. And, uh, and we're like, okay, a couple more minutes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're almost done. <laughs> we're almost done. And then they came up. You know, they, they got on stage. They grabbed their instruments, and they became the band Kansas. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> that was, and that, you know, Kansas. I mean, they labored sign all their tunes. I'm like, man. And, uh, and after that, we did Weather Report, we did Janice Inn, we did Martin Bull at the time, if you remember him, like a Canadian folk singer. Um, so I was over at my girlfriend's house, and her dad, who was a very well-to-do steel executive, mm -hmm. said, Andy, how the f how's the flying coming along? Because, you know, you work for them all hours. I said, man, I'm so busy with these concerts. I haven't really had really had the time to, to really spend on flying, but concerts, what do you mean concerts? Tell me about it. You're making money doing that? I said, yeah. Yeah, the school's making a lot of money doing it. Give me the numbers and get me a place to do it. <laughs> really? So I went to Reading, Pennsylvania. I found a theater called the Astor Theater, met the production director there. To make a long story short, I booked the band The Kinks. Oh, my God. This guy financially backed me. Okay. And, and now you financially backed me. He got me a company car. Uh, I was commuting back and forth between Reading. I had you know, expense accounts. Uh, I did all the, you know, buying all the radio time on all the radio stations, doing all the ticket distribution. At that time, you had ticket apparatus. There was no ticket manager at that time. And, um, you know, you go to a record store, wherever, wherever tickets are sold. Yeah, you, you go and buy a physical copy of, of, a, yes. of a concert ticket. Yes. Yes. I miss those days. Remember those days? And so oh, yeah. 50, 550, you know, bam, you know. <laughs> I know now it's a, everything's digital. It's, you know, and that there's something to be said too. You get a concert to, you know, I have, I've been to, I don't know, 300 plus shows over my life. Yeah, yeah. It, and I used to save the tickets and it's like, now it's like you get a printed out thing on the internet, but you're not getting the actual ticket. That's right. Yeah. You're ordering, or, or a code on your phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. We did the band Kansas, and, excuse me, we did the Kinks, and um, I took Wade Reavies and Troop up to the airport in Schaefer's Living Limousines, and I was in one of the limos, and um, and I was the promoter of the concert, and Wade Reavies uh, invited me to ride with him personally, and we rode to a Philadelphia hotel together, got to talk, and then uh, the concert wasn't until a couple of days later, and he requested from the management um, that he wanted to ride from Philadelphia to Reading about an hour drive. He wanted me to go with him. Oh, wow. They called me. They said, Ray Davies would like your company. Uh, and I'm like, cool. 
you know, I mean, we're talking Ray Davies of the Kinks, you know. Like, yeah. At the time, the, uh, the Kinks, I remember, well-respected man. I mean, I was, how old was I? I was 15, 16, I don't know. Uh, but anyway. Um, this is a big so, deal for you. This was big. The, yeah. Yeah. But I, to me, it was like, he's Ray Davies. He does what he, do, he does. And, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't become starry-eyed or anything. You know, yeah. We, we talked about, you and I talked about, you know, conversation. We, we like to go up and down upside because we like to be from Allentown. And we went to Reading, and they were incredible. I mean, they, Ray Davies was amazing. He kept teasing the audience by playing the introduction of Lola, and then he'd stop, you know, getting all, everybody excited about Lola. And yeah. Words, then he'd stop, you know. Um, but they were amazing. And then I was with my uh, girlfriend, who was just a bunch of sisters, and uh, at the end of the show, and because we were all going to go out to a Marriott and get something to eat or whatever at the, after the concert, and. Um, I hear these voices. Andy Kimball, are you around? Andy Kimball, where are you? And I said, I'm, I'm up here, man. I'm up here. I said, Ray Davies is waiting for you. He wants, he wants, to, he wants to ride back with him. I'm like, oh, God, oh God girls, I got to go. I'll, I'll catch up with you guys later. I'll see you at the Marriott. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it sound, he enjoyed your conversation. Yeah. You guys connected on a level. You, you enjoyed each other's conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. it was cool. And then after that, I did the band Chicago. And I was the only... The only, oh man! I did Chicago at the Reading Municipal Stadium with the Philadelphia Phillies uh, minor league team days. The only time a concert was ever at that stadium, I've got fame for that one. Uh, we did Chicago, um, and uh, and the company started growing, you know. And then, you know, after a while, you know, I I, went, I had to go. I had to make a career decision here, and uh, yep. you know, we, we some shows in different cities, and and that was my life, you know. Uh, oh, I can tell you a funny as a fun story about the Kings. Just you'll, you'll get a kick uh, out of this, especially with the clever. So I'm all about making a difference in people's lives. That's my mission in life. Make a That's awesome. Make, make a breakthrough. Create a breakthrough for somebody and see if that, that breakthrough can be made matter for somebody. However I have to do it. Now it's for me. So that was, that's been my mission for forever and a day. I don't remember when it was. So uh, there, there's a line of people waiting to get into the King's Theater. Some buying tickets, some really nice ones. So I decided that I was going to create something amazing for somebody's life. So I walk outside the Astro Theater and I walk to the left. There's a little line that goes on forever, and I just pick somebody random. I walk up and I'm this, you know, I'm this young kid, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 20, 20, 19, something like that, long hair, you know, kid, whatever. Um, and I walk up to a guy just randomly, and I said, "You're here to see the Kinks, right?" He said, "Yeah, yeah." I said, uh, "We'd like to meet Ray Davies." And his jaw dropped. He said, "What? Well, come on." Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I said, no, I'm producing this concert, and if you want to meet Ray Davies, I'll make that happen for you. Yep. And he was like, you would believe the expression on his face. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, it's, and I understand that, you know, we're, as a fan of musicians and, and, and just music in general, you know, it means a lot to, to people because sometimes the closest you're going to get to connecting to that musician or artist is seeing them on stage. You never really have any personal interaction or, you know, you're connecting through the music. So yeah, to meet, you know, a role model or a positive influence in your life, it's, it's a big thing. And that's, it's awesome. Yeah. It was, so I brought the guy up uh, backstage and up the stairs down the hallway and I knew where Ray Davies dressing room was. And uh, I opened the, there's a hallway there, right? And yep. Ray Davies is lying on his back on the floor with his arms behind his head, and his two girl singers are feeding him grapes. 
So yeah, here's a rock star enjoying the rock star life. <laughs> well, I walked in with this guy. Uh, I forget his name. I remember it for a long time. Rock Ages Week. Anyway, um, I walked in with this guy, and Ray's like, "Oh, when he got up, you know, he's like, I said, Ray, hi, this is whoever. You know, he's coming. He came to see your concert. He was like, he was like, uh, okay. <laughs> he was like, but yeah. he was gentle. He shook the guy's hand. He thanked him for coming out. He was, he was gracious as can be. He was now normally you're not supposed to do that. You know, even you're not supposed to bring people unknown to the artist backstage. I didn't care. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah. No, and that's that's awesome. You, you know, it's funny. I uh, <clears throat> I had a for a short time. I was doing um, commercial carpet cleaning. I had a little side business. Um, yeah. My my father in law is a, a owns a cleaning company and restoration company up in Vermont, and so I had a little carpet cleaning business on the side. You know, I'm a full time plumber by trade and uh, so i was doing the carpet cleaning at night and uh, i got a i got a job and it was at uh, look park in northampton mass this this gorgeous park um they've got a uh it's called the garden house it's up front um they have a lot of like wedding venues and and different recitals and stuff there beautiful place so i pull up to the job with a buddy of mine who was helping me at night to do carpets and uh and there's cars everywhere and there's and they were having a live show in the um they have an outdoor amphitheater um really neat place to see a show and uh i go in and uh the uh the tour manager walks out and he's like what are you doing here and i said well i'm here to clean some carpets and he says yeah i don't think that's gonna happen tonight and i'm like oh okay well you know this has kind of been in a month I, I've had to plan this out to, to make this happen with my helper and this and that. And they're like, well, there's, you know, a musician in here and, uh, he, you know, where do you have to go? And I'm like, well, I have to go into the back room and I have to go into the bridal suite. And he's like, oh, hold on a second. Comes back out. He's like, you can do it. He's like, uh, I'm going to open the door in the bridal suite. You can look at what you got to look at. Just, uh, you know, when you go in there, just, just so you know, uh, you know, the, the musicians in there. I said, okay. So we walk in and he's getting ready to knock on the door. And I'm like, who's the musician that's in here? He's like, oh, it's Mark Knopfler. And I said, oh, okay. Very familiar with Mark Knopfler. Dire Straits. I said, okay. Opens up the door and Mark's reading a book, laying down on a tape, on a, on a bed, had his feet up. He had a coffee there, big beard. I didn't recognize him. And, uh, you know, I was kind of starstruck for a second and I'm like, you know, just I'm here, uh, just got to clean the carpet. I'm just going to look at it. And I'm like, I'm going to leave you alone and I'll wait till you're, till you're out, you know, performing your show. And he's like, sure, sure. No problem. So he, he goes, goes out and show they, we had the back doors open to the, uh, to the venue. And I was able to listen to him playing the night. Uh, while I was doing my car the carpet cleaning in there with, with, with my buddy. And uh, then uh, the tour manager invited us backstage to watch the rest of the show. Uh, the, the, the sad part of this story was my helper who didn't or couldn't stay uh, because he had obligations with his girlfriend. Uh, so I was unable to go backstage to watch the, sh to, to watch the rest of his show. Um, but we got a hell of a live performance sitting there with the windows open, listening to him play. Um, but, uh, it was just a, just a funny chance encounter with, you know, 
sometimes you have those encounters where you're not even really anticipating it. You don't expect it. And it just happens. And uh, I think those are some of the best moments, you know, in life is, you know, those chance encounters, uh, you know, whether it be the universe, everything lines up and, 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 and it's putting you on that path to be there or if it's just by chance. But yeah. You're starting to fade just a little bit, Andy, on the microphone. Okay, is it better again? Yeah, now I, yeah, you're good now. Good. Uh, so I guess so. Once once you started promoting shows, we were at a crossroads, and where we what we uh. Yeah, and then I, then I decided um, that I wanted to be a pilot, and uh, and I remember going knocking on my folks' uh, folks' door. Got student paper, had no student paper, and uh, said, uh, "Hey, Dad." You want to aviation university and put the paper down? I said, sure. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And I applied to Embry Riddle and I got in and I went to Embry Riddle Aeronautical University and uh, I'm a pilot. And it's funny because when I was Embry Riddle, I didn't quit the music promotion business. What I started doing on the side was booking. So you were still doing that well, on the side or trying to navigate that? I booked college uh, uh, colleges. I, I, I booked major acts for colleges and I got 10% of I, I did a big oh, wow. out, and I did, you know, I did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I did a lot of time with the big out, time for several shows for them. <coughs> but um, that was a blast. I did, I did, uh, well, Bill Crosby at the time. I did uh, George Carlin. I did Bonnie Raitt three times. That time. Oh, wow. Who else? Um, uh, Jerry Garcia, Stephen Stills. Um, anyway, so, so I did that as a side thing, and I made some decent cash because – and I used to bring a date, you know, I'd, I'd book the college and, and they did everything. I just booked the bands, you know, CBA. Yep. Since I have, I was like the middleman and I got a 10% commission from the college for booking the bands. And, um, you know, so, so the band, at that time, bands were 5,000 bucks, 10,000 bucks, 3,000 dollars, not the prices they get today. Yep. Uh, back then, you know, um, you know, a $5,000 band, I, it's 500 bucks. I just showed up and booked a date, enjoyed the show, got my check. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome yeah here, here we go <laughs> yeah and uh you know yeah but anyway so i was at mb riddle and got out of the music business and was booking you know flying at the time and um yeah so i did that and um and came what happened then i went back to another school in the airline training academy in florida and i became an instructor there as a flight instructor teaching for a bunch of foreign government airlines and jet times and saudi arabian airlines and building up time at the at the time um you know airline jobs were very very difficult to come by you needed not only college but you needed a tremendous amount of experience unlike today okay incredible you know if you wake up college requirement you can go to flight school and get hired right after flight school having accumulated really no time outside of maybe teaching time or building time up and you'll sit in the right seat of the regional jet and that would be unheard of when i was at that stage unheard of it's kind of scary. Everything seems like it's fast paced, quick paced. I think it's just that's how society is now. Yeah. yeah it, you it's, know, it's okay. and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, it doesn't make flying um, unsafe because it is actually very, very safe. These pilots are very qualified, very well trained. The only difference is, is that when I had to get try to get a professional job, um, I had built up time. Now, luckily, luckily, that same girlfriend. Uh, her dad, being a very uh, 
well-to-do skill executive, you can charter a lot of planes. I think okay. the problem with that, I say, Andy, I'm chartering a, why don't you come with me and charter twin engine jet props and so forth. And yep. the charter company, hey, he was introduced to me as his son. He had six daughters. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's I awesome. Like, you go out to eat and you say, this is my son uh, or and my pilot. My, I'm, I'm a private pilot. This is my son, my pilot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Right, so I got to build up flight time. Um, I was lucky enough to have that. And then I started doing some other work. I, I got to know the charter companies that do charter. They hired me as, as you know, for the engine for flying. And yep. I started building time up. Um, still tough to get a job, though. It was tough. And then finally, and at the time, you can't do this today anymore either. I used to travel around to the airline's home offices and walk in the front door with my resume. Oh, really? And that's, and that's how I got my first airline job. I walked through the door, no appointment. I spoke to the uh, chief of operations or the chief pilot. I forget which one it was. I think it was. Yep. Anyway, one of those two. And um, and then I, he, we talked for a few minutes, uh, literally 10 minutes, and I went home. Um, and... Um, Oh, yeah. And I, I was traveling for this field person, too. And, and not only was I doing some flying for him, I also uh, traveled around the country doing errands for him, uh, dropping off things, picking up things, collecting overdue money. So, um, you know, in between, like, flying jobs, I, I worked for my – and at this time, I wasn't dating his daughter anymore. I was oh, oh, really? So he – you guys still stay in, stayed in yeah. contact? Yeah. He, he went off to – you know, as we grew apart, she went to college. I, we just grew apart. You know, we're still friends to this day. Um, but um, I wasn't dating her anymore. So he still treated me like his son, you know, really. And um, so I was on a trip to my first trip to Los Angeles. I remember at the time, I knew about three months, maybe eight months I was up there. But anyway, um, I called my house. I was still living with my parents, and I called my house, and the uh, housekeeper answered the phone. And I said, Hey, how are you doing? Just checking. He said, Andy, somebody from US Air, uh, Allegheny, called you. Uh, and I said, Really? They said, Yeah, they want you to call them back. And I called them back. And he said, uh, hey, um, we have a class date for you if you want it in April. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, and here's the funny thing. I was about to move back to Florida to get my flight instruction job back again. I really loved my life in Florida. I was playing music at night, teaching people how to fly during the day, single guy, just having a blast. Yep. I missed that life, and I, want, I was all set to go back. I even called the person I used to rent my condo from. He had another one for me. I'm setting the whole thing up to go back to Florida. And and this guy called and said we have a class date for you and I'm like okay I guess I won't go to Florida but I really I was yeah but anyway and then I became a airline pilot at 23 years old. That's awesome. So your girlfriend's father was probably a huge positive influence for you. Um, oh, he uh, he he uh, he was and he did some things in business that that what was not in my background that I was very very. anything illegal with my dad's fault yeah um, you know how they got their steel deals done i mean i would get get for example um we had a very big steel executive a company you could buy a lot of steel from a company in town in philadelphia and he called me up my father was a personal what's called part-time uh, they want you to uh, take this guy out to entertain him at the resort casino and uh, you're gonna find a girl for him oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> so this woman i'm this young kid yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, that's not my world. What, what? And so uh, we got a sober-driven limousine. We picked the guy up. We went to the casino, and the woman um, who I'm with, who was the, you know 
coach Joe Executive and salesperson. Uh, yep. They wanted me to come to Dick Kelly, get along with this field guy, Larry Templeman. And she said, look, Andy, I want to give you some money. She gave me like 500000 bucks. And uh, here's what you do. You go slash around the money at the, at the blackjack table and the roulette wheel. And uh, you wait for a girl to come up with you, and then you bring her back here. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, you're, and you're, you're essentially, you're a teenager, 19, 20 years old at the time. Like, what the hell? Really? I knew nothing. I'm this innocent. I mean, I had a, you know, obviously a loving relationship with a girl for years, so I wasn't sure sex and everything. But, but, um, but I'm not used to that, right? So yeah. Um, so the the so I go, and sure enough, I start flashing my money, her money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a, a girl who is Indian American Indian descent uh, evidently comes up to me and starts telling me how she's on her way to a protest in Washington. And we start talking, and I'm at the table, you know, throwing some money down. I was doing all right, you know, just a few minutes. Yep. And we start talking, and she's, you know, and she's um, liking me. And she said, hey, you know, I got my um, uh, colleague, uh, my, like a boss's friend, and another guy um, at the bar. Let's go um, Let's go hang with them. Let's go, because I've been gone a while now. They're probably wondering where I am. Let's go back. Yep. And she said, who's the guy? You, you're not trying to peddle me off on somebody, are you? No. No. <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> oh, my God. Hell, you what? No, come on. Get out. <laughs> get out. So um, we would make our way back, and we spend time, and she got the feeling that this was a setup, and she kind of clinged on to me and was holding my arm and, you know, was talking, you know, and it was obvious she was just a good guy that this was going to happen later on. Oh, and then um, the woman I was with asked about where she was headed to Washington. Where are you staying the night? I wasn't sure. Well, Philadelphia, we're driving back to Philo, Philadelphia. Uh, yep. Why don't we take you to an airport motel? We'll put you up there, and then it's much easier to, to find your way down 95 to your whatever you're going to in Washington from there. So um, she gets the limousine with us. We drive to Philadelphia Airport. Uh, I've got a company card. I go, I get her a hotel room. I take her up to her room. She throws me down on the bed, and I quickly got up off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't what I was here for. That's all what I. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was the world of uh, your 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 ex girlfriend's uh, f- father. That yeah, that's yeah. He, and that you know he did you know I don't want to talk, get into the details but later on he got in a little bit of trouble but anyway um, so I saw that but uh, you know so I was with him for a while and it was it was really cool experience at that age because I learned things about business and making deals and making and watching money and, and buying and selling that you can't yep. begin to learn in college. I mean, you can't begin to learn in college. And I also yep. learned from some saying, hey, we're going to do concerts, let's go do one, that you can do anything you want to do. There is nothing in life that you can't do if you want to do it. And That's it, awesome. And, and you yep. got to do it. If you you got to do it. It ain't going to come from any external anywhere. You know, people can say, you, you know, I'll try this and do this. You have to have the passion and the will to make life what you want it to be and to make life be who you want it to be. And that is the absolute truth. That is the absolute truth. And I've done it several times. So that's not the, you know, so I became a uh, a pilot and I was flying for the airline and um, <laughs> I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Anyway, I, I, I got a sailing yacht and I, and I love sailing so much I got a part-time job selling sailing yachts and even though interest rates were sixteen percent for twelve years, I was yep. I was make I was making more money selling boats on a part time job than I was flying. And I was really, loving life on the water. 
you know, sailing, watching the sunset, you know, sure. in the Chesapeake Bay, you know, it was wonderful. And I figured, how do you do this for a living? I want to do this, you know? Why not do this? What the heck? I know it's back to flying. Yep. <laughs> so, so I did, uh, did that for a while. Went back to flying, uh, got furloughed uh, when the economy went bad. Okay. Uh, Early 90s? Yes. No, no. Late no, 80s? 80s, 80s, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was um, unemployed for a while, and I had a graphic my best childhood friend to this day is a very accomplished graphic designer and, you know, doing advertising work, advertising design. Yep. So we, we used to meet, uh, as two unemployed single guys, we would meet for pizza quite often and, you know, just be unemployed <laughs> and talk about getting jobs. And he said, yep. you know, I know this guy just for an hour. I know this guy. He's got an advertising agency and he hires like you walk in and he pays you salary based on your, your date of the first sale and you should go do it. So I never thought anything about advertising. He said, listen, I didn't know anything about advertising whatsoever because I'm not doing that shit. Yes, you are. You, you got to do this. You know, drive me down. So um, he did. He drove me down to Phillips. I was in Philadelphia. I walked in the office. The guy hired me. I'm like, oh, first of all, I got to tell you this. I walked in the office and I, wa- I saw the main room and there must have been 25 women working there. I'm like, okay, can I get a job? <laughs> can I get a job here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be. <laughs> all yeah. right, now, yeah, where's my cigar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I got some deals here. Let me ask, yeah, see? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he hired me, and uh, I went to work, and he put a phone book on my desk. He said, here's your leaflets, and they called calls. I didn't know anything about advertising. What did I know? And I just flipped over the, the yellow pages, and I landed on a construction company, and I called them. I said, hi. <laughs> hey, I'm Andy Kimball, and I want to come talk to you about your uh, – your, your imagery and your presence and your advertising and your client base. He said, sure, when do you want to come in? Uh, uh, really? <laughs> and this is your one of your first calls that you made? The very first one. That's and, awesome. And you ruined me? Come, yeah, come, come. So that was out Stetton Avenue. I remember I even had a bar in my boss's car to get there. So uh, I drove in and I, and I walked in. I, you know, there's no, just the name of the company. There's no logo, no presence, no anything. The guy sitting at his desk. And I, I asked him a question. I said, look, look. When somebody mentions your name, which is almost insufferable, what do you think the perception of the company is that they're seeing you? Well, I don't really know. That's interesting. You know, perception and I and identity is such an important framework for building who you are and your perceived mm-hmm. your perceived of the market that you go in. If you just have a background of maybe you building you are, but who you are, where are you going to be? What I suggest, here's what I suggest we do. Let's start out. Let's, you don't know me. I don't know you. Let's get you a really beautiful logo, business card. That there was no, remember, there's no internet, no anything back then. Fax machines were mm-hmm. there. We didn't have fax machines then. We had messenger. <laughs> there was no fax machine. So yeah, um, yeah, send the messenger. Your messenger, right? So I think it was $1,200. We did three versions of the logo, business card, whatever. And we had an art department. I went to the architect and I said, give this guy a logo. I need to make a presentation. He asked for it. So I, would, I talked about doing other things and more and more and more. Then I started making more cold calls and getting more and more business, right? And then it occurred to me then, it occurred to me, if I'm getting client submissions and I'm a business manager, I walk into companies' offices, they don't know who I am. I could be Andy from mm-hmm. Andy Advertising, right? They don't know what company I'm from. So I figured, you know, you know, I'll see what he does, how he does it. I'm going to call in sick. I'll still be at my parents' house. 
on the phone six with any of that study as a simple statistical as a simple study would be. <laughs> yeah. And and here's what I did. Ready for this? I picked the yellow pages. I learned from the best. Yellow pages is a great resource. You pick up <laughs> they're spending money on advertising. Yep. Yellow pages isn't cheap, right? Okay. So um I, I went my finger landed on the singing telegraph company. Like, okay. Well the deal was wherever you land your call. And then we I called them up. I got an appointment. Hey, hey. You don't hear about singing telegrams. I don't know. They're from the police, the strippers, the belly dancers, whatever. I don't know. They're pretty fun. I don't know. So, so I went over. The guy told me how he started in California and blah, 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 this year and that. I said, we need to really give you a better one. We really need one. It's a funny, entertaining, engaging. Let me come up with a slight twist. So I went back to my friend and I said, and he drew a whole campaign. And I'll tell you what it was. It was realist I was belly dancers, cops, strippers, whatever, and then a picture of the of the of the gorilla and the cop and everybody right. They sketched it out in a napkin in a restaurant. By the way, they gave it to me later in more Your your microphone's cutting out, Andy. awesome uh, and one of the companies we one of the companies we went to back then was Commodore Computers remember Commodore Computers back in the 80s oh yeah I do yes yep so I made the same presentation to Commodore right and uh, and we said this doesn't exist yet but if and they later on I'm at my grandmother's house I called for my messages I got a message for Commodore Computers from this dude named Doc and I said we don't have anything yet so I went to Commodore Computers they gave us a job what I do I farmed it out to another company who could do it. So I was a messenger boy. I picked it up from Commodore. I drove it to the company. They did it. Had it ready the next day. I brought, brought, brought it back to Commodore. They said, Andy, this is amazing. Great job. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. So I, I was literally picking up jobs, dropping it off to another company, mm -hmm. marking the place, and dropping it back. Anyway, eventually got our own equipment, hired our own staff, and we had an advertising agency. Uh, 30 employees, 10 house offices. Oh, wow. I flew, I flew airplanes at night, three, three nights a week. I was flying as a pilot. On the weekends, I, I started a business doing, uh, preparing uh, students for SAA written exams in two days. I guarantee okay. they're going to pass the test. I keep 
I've taught all day Saturday, taught all day Sunday. The FAA came and gave the test, written test on Sunday. And so that was my schedule. That's what I did. Did, did, did you sleep at all or? Teaching, teaching. Oh man, it was, it was, it was nine years I did that for nine years. And then one of my uh, top clients was a big uh, net tennis. He was the largest tennis professional in the time. Guy won Masters and all the rest. So the finals got a lot. Yep. Of and they knew I was a pilot, and we and we became really good friends. Like became great friends for about a year. And and they used to tease me all the time. They said, "Andy, you're insane. You know, we have pilots. They take a trip. They're camping. They're sitting by the pool waiting for the phone ring. They come back. They're making a lot of money. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're, you're a pilot, man. That's that's you are so passionate about flying." Well, how would, you, you got it, you know, you should think about flying again. So I get really set up in the business world and the entire of it and employees and everything else. So many great people, great companies. I got the best portfolio kind of this. We got the biggest So I called the, the I called my advertising guy at, at NetJet and I said, Skip, are you serious about having me come back and you guys are serious? He said, Yeah. You wanna come out and teach talk to the director of let me put you on the phone with the director of operations. So he got to mm-hmm. fly for us, and I said, yeah, let me talk to you about it. So I scheduled me for an interview. I came out. I talked to him. I even got to fly the jet. You know, I even got to be a senior captain tech ride. They brought me along. I got to yep. fly the jet. And um, a couple months later, they hired me, and I went back into flying at the And uh, got out of the business, got out of, got out of everything, and so I, was, I switched jobs again, and I was furloughed from the job. And during that furlough, I took my guitar out because – Forced to take my guitar and do something. Yep. And uh, I landed a record deal uh, and music ever since. That's, that's how I got to where I'm at. Th- that's awesome. That th- you know, and that's uh, you know, so your your music career has spanned since the early '90s. Is that when you started like getting into it? Yeah, '93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, what happened? Uh, I uh, was furloughed from my job temporarily. You know, you're going to get called back. You're a union contract. So I was I moved in with my girlfriend. I wasn't invited to move in with her. I just I showed up at her door. I used to buy jump seat and buy an Achilles so that they wouldn't be mad. Yeah. So one time I show up with more bags, and, and uh, she said, what's with the bags? And I'm like, well, we got this furlough thing. I'm just trying to get out of, out of the job just for a while. And, you know, we can get back up and stuff and all this stuff. And she's like, do you want to live here? I said, well, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, you know, I don't know what you're doing when I'm not here. We can deal with whatever it is. It's fine. So that two weeks, she, she goes to work every day, and uh, she's a physical therapist, and I'm a physical therapist, and she's a physical therapist, and she's in the field. And I wake up with her in the morning and take the guitar out and strum it. And she comes home after a hard day's work, and I'm still strumming the guitar. And and her, uh, she started saying, Andy, you got to get a job. You got to be a busboy or a, or a waiter, or you just can't be sitting every day. I had money in the bank. I still had free airline travel. I'm, I mm-hmm. I'm not guaranteed. I'm like, you know, when in life are you going to have this kind of – I still traveled around for free on the airlines. You know, I would, uh, you know, uh, pay for, like, a trip here and there. So finally, she read about this big ad that Sam Adams Beer was having, like, an open house open mic for a major Philadelphia radio station. Show up. Sign up. Play. And my girlfriend read the ad. She said, you're going to play this. If you don't, you're out. 
good. You just can't teach Spanish. You got to do something. Take like a kid. Yep. I remember singing my life. She bought me a microphone one day. She went to the radio shop, bought a microphone home, said, see this? Yeah, it's a microphone. Learn how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> here you go. Good luck. I couldn't sing, and I started singing a couple songs here and there, and I, I couldn't really sing. It's okay. Some people get paid to. But anyway, the, the uh, um, so uh, I went to this gig. I didn't know any songs. And I, I, I back a little bit. I used to back up other performers from other clubs, you know, other different folk clubs, and other people in charge that were Yep. Right? Okay. So I never played solo ever. So um, I showed up at this thing like I was told to do. And uh, I got up on stage and I made up a guitar tune. I don't know if you know Leo Kotke. You know who he is, the guitar player, Leo Kotke? I don't. Not off the top of my head, no. Check him out. Amazing. Anyway, I made up a couple of guitar pieces. I literally made them up on stage. One of the owners of Sam Adams Beer came up to me. I got an encore. He came up to me and said, that was outstanding. What do you charge? I'm like, charge? And long story short, Sam Adams Beer sponsored me. I played a lot of events for them, and I started playing all the gigs and getting notice from all the Philadelphia papers and newspapers and magazines. Uh, I got a manager who was an old friend of mine, got me gigs in New York and the Village. I started getting notice up there, became a house musician at the Improv in New York. Uh, a couple guys from a record label were there. They saw me play. Bam, got a record deal. Airline called me back to go to work. <laughs> Uh-oh. Really? Uh-oh. 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 Yeah. You were at the crossroads. It was very tough. And here's here's what the musician told me. Uh, I played a show, headlining a show at the New York Comedy Festival. Almost sold out. It was a lot of fun for me. And in the opening act of the show, I went to the back of the room to my guitar room upstairs. And I should say, to the back of everybody's stage. And I said to myself, all these people in here, and I guess I did this in front of quite a few people, all these people here pay 15 bucks to go to a row to see Sam. Fifteen bucks to spend an hour and a half. So I couldn't make a difference in my life. These people are all yep. You can't take my talent away from these people. You take my talent away, you're gone. And it was very, very difficult. And the airline took me. They stopped paying me again. I went back and I said, you know, very very, very difficult. And I said, that's the only way I can make it. Most of my social life now is so off pilot. So I still feel very connected to the aviation industry in, in certain respects. I still feel like my name tag still says I'm a pilot. I'm not flying, but I'm a pilot. Mm -hmm. That's who I am. You know what I mean? That's, yep. and I, that, that's how I feel. You know, it's kind of weird to, to, to say. You know? but, um, but I've been playing, you know, I've done over 2,000 uh, shows now, 30 year career, played all over the world, and uh, still have a tour schedule. And, and I write songs and they play, and uh, that's how it all got to be. That's it. You know, and again, it, it, it is all about just there's no there's no barriers in life there's no there's nothing there's nothing that you can't do there's no, there's no corners to this wall there's no such thing as the word no what no well, I could be frowning upon by people and I'm not gonna but um, mm -hmm. you want to have happen and, uh, and advocate for that you know and uh, and I and I uh, I sponsor and help and uh, teach and coach emerging singer songwriters uh, part of my career and I do workshops. Stage plays, things like that. Teach engagements. How do you engage an audience? Uh, give them some nice phrase. Give them a guitar phrase. How do you come in and do seminars and things like that? Take these seminars and things. And the people who take these seminars, I'm talking musicians, but actors, salespeople, could be presentations. You know, how do you get up on stage? As soon as you walk out on stage, 
have the audio information. You can pick up the guitar riff or pick up the percussion or the piano, whatever. How do you, how do you make that specific? It is a skill. How do you do that? You know, and uh, and there's a skill to that, and it's it's all about acknowledging other people and accepting and acknowledging mm-hmm. their perspectives. Uh, you know, and have respecting that acknowledgement and acknowledging and not and creating relationships and community with people, whether they're inside of four people or a folk festival of four thousand people. That's kind of the deal. That's what I do. That's it. It's a remarkable story. It it really is because, uh, you know, you've it's it sounds like you've you've reinvented yourself numerous times, not just once, but multiple times. And, uh, you know, I I take my hat off to you because, uh, you know, it's uh, changing, changing. I'm I'm right now I'm at a crossroads with myself with what I'm going to do. You know, uh, so it's it's awesome to hear stories like that um, because they're inspiring. You know, people want to hear that. People want to hear, you know, an encouragement and, po- and positivity. That's 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 huge. We need more of that in the world. We need more Andy Kimballs in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I I truly think that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I agree with you, by the way. Uh, I agree with you. It's, uh, there are naysayers out there. Well, that might be true, but if you go into a situation with your cup half full, it'll remain half full, and you'll never get anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. No, I always, yeah, the glass isn't half, yeah, you just, you gotta, you know, having that positive mindset and, uh, and getting over, I mean, really, the biggest, biggest thing with people and saying they can't do something is because of their insecurities. You know, you may not feel comfortable in a situation, but you know, sometimes you got to get out of your shell and, uh, and take a dip in the water, you know, even if you don't feel comfortable, like, Hey, I got to try this. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think one of the, one of the, one of the um, early aspects of aviation that I wasn't probably as easy was when I used to land in the airport and take off from the airport. And it could be several times I got off. Everybody got off the same time. And they were not in the middle of the same place. I flew them there, but I went to a hotel talking to air traffic controllers, talking to the pilot next to me, stuff like that, and greeting people at the terminals, whatever. But that was my lunch. And at the time, mm-hmm. I had to make a decision. I had to look ahead at 30-some-odd years career of doing that day after day after day for aviation. A lot of my pilots have career watches with the timer set to my time set, the time clock set. You know, it's a good move. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing thing. Like William Mills and stuff like that. But, um, you know, but so up and down, up and down. I'm saying not bad work. You know, I, I recommend to anybody up and down, any flights up and down. But um, the the difference for me up there was I'm a people person. I, I I I really love people. I love people. I do. And and I wanted to do something in, in my life, whether it be in sales. Maybe my music career wouldn't have worked out. Whatever, right? In, mm-hmm. in sales, in some, in boat sales, and whatever it might be. But but. I got to make a difference by being with people by things that I love. You know what I mean? And yep. it's, it's hard to do as a pilot. Sure, the skill, the thousands of hours, the you know, landing in incredible weather situations, and blah blah blah, and, and you know, having people clap. Oh, whatever. That feels good. Okay, the skill. You learn the skill. You become good at it. You gain experience. You apply the skill, and you conduct a lot of safe flights. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. But the skill. 
being truth and making a difference in the lives of other people is more than just being truthful. It's your commitment to who you are and who you, who you love to be because of the, how you're going to make a difference in their lives and make them great. How do you do that? That's, that's what I want to discuss with you. That's awesome. You know, it, it, it's funny. You, you know, I <clears throat> just going out in the morning to get a cup of coffee and you hold the door for somebody, say good morning. You know, thank you. You're welcome. See a smile on somebody's face after holding the door for, I, I always say that, you know, I say that to all my kids and, you know, I said, hold the door, smile. You know, they've, they're all polite kids. They're all grown up. They're young adults now. But, um, I said that, that right there, that little bit of positivity, I said, could change the whole course of their entire day. You know, and I, I've always, you know, start the day with a smile. You know, I try not, I try not to go to bed angry. I, I try not to hold grudges with people, you know, I've uh, successfully been married for 23 years now. So it's like, you know, I don't like going to bed, not talking to my wife, <laughs> although she can do that. She could do that to me and she, she's guilt, guilt free about it, you know, but uh, you know, it's like, you know, trying to stay every day, every day is a new challenge. You know, it's hard enough navigating through life and through all the challenges that we have. And it's like, if you're just nice to people and help people out and you're courteous, it, life is just so much easier. Yeah, it, it sure is. It, it truly is. Yeah. But, uh, but this has been right. You know, I moved out to L.A. I, I started doing acting work at my agent. I started doing acting work. And, you know, I wasn't, when I was new to L.A. and I wasn't playing up a lot of music. And I, I started, I did like, I've done like 22 television productions and a couple indie films and produced a TV pilot. Um, as uh, playing music at the same time here in LA. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been, and that's actually how I met Cornell, who you know. Uh, okay. Who's another guy who I met on set. And that's, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and that's you know, and that's again, like all these positive things, and and you know, I, I don't think it's just by chance. I think good people with good intentions, and, and you know, that that are truly just good people that want us want people to do good want other people to exceed i think everybody like that is gravitates and is pulled towards each other you know because when you're when you're around people that are positive and happy and, and you don't see a lot of negative stuff you, 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 they don't bring that baggage with them you know there's always negativity and sure when you get home after after the end of the day you're sitting there and you're like oh jesus why am i doing this you know, but then you think of the positive things and the positive influences and, you know, just just being a good person. It's like the, the I, I always said the good always outweighs the bad. Yeah. Or I, I, I like to think that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's um, no, I, I, I just believe that, like, you know, good things and good people just kind of always kind of gravitate. And they're, 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 you know, maybe it's astrologically. You know, uh, yeah. Cornell, Dex, Dex, you know, him and I message back and forth, you know, yeah. talking. He's what sign are you? You know, and I'm like, eh, I'm Taurus the bull. And he's like, makes sense. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, I want to give a shout out to him um, from for, uh, you know, Cornell, Dex Butler uh, for uh, for getting us linked up. Um, you know, him and I have had some some good um, back and forth messaging. Um you know, he's a, he's another positive person, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, he, I, I mean, this guy, you know, I started a, uh, you're doing this podcast. I started a radio show in 2020 
Randy and Amanda show. It's actually uh, uh, at another show, the Ebony Ivory show. It's another guy before I met Amanda. Amanda's in the UK. We've never met. Okay. Long story. It's a live radio show that became a podcast afterward with a lot of calling guests. You know, is a radio show and it's a yep. calling show, and it was great during the uh, uh, you know political campaigns. And we and I I've done I've had interviews with Richard Nixon on the show, with Alfred Hitchcock, with Dr. Ruth, with Winston Churchill. You know, I, 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 just because they're not with us anymore doesn't mean we can't interview them anymore. So anyway, one thing I did, you remember the movie A Few Good Men with, uh, with Jack Nicholson and Tom yeah. Cruise, War of the Code Red, that whole thing? Yes. Well, I've had guests, some, some very well-known guests, too, on the, on the radio show. And they call in, and we didn't get too many calls here and there, but um, I'd say, uh, before they go, and you're making this up, I'm making this up. I said, you know, we have, uh, we have one more caller who just, you know, real quick, we get one more caller, and there's a question, just one quick question for you, and I'll put, I'm going to get their name, I'm just going to put them right through, and is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, put them through. So then I push the button that plays the Jack Nicholson question. Have you ever, yeah. served, have you served in a Ford area, son? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, I got this crazy, and I used to, you know, and then I just remember the movie, that movie, um, what was it called? Made as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. When someone's going on in the world, I used to play that clip all the time. One time, more recently, here's uh, this is kind of funny. I was just sitting around one day, and I'd make up all these comical clips. I go through YouTube, and it take it could take me three hours to make up a really funny clip. Yeah. Uh, that was on Jimmy Kimmel show. I mean that that type that quality, right? And, yep. But it would last three minutes on the radio show. It would take me three hours to, to source it, put it together, go to the recording studio, put it all together, balance everything, and play yep. it like damn, you know. Um, and it would generate a lot of laughs. And, but one thing I did, because this is pretty funny, I was sitting there looking for clips of Jack Nicholson, all the clips I have from Donald Trump. Donald Trump used to interview me on my show all the time and interrupt it. But anyway, um, so uh, <laughs> what, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> You made three and a half million dollars. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so <laughs> I I'm so laughing some of the clips we have. But anyway, I, I need to have you on our show. But anyway, um, so um, I, I took I took Jack Nicholson off the witness stand in a few good men, and replaced yep. him, replaced him with Donald Trump. Oh so my now, God! Now Tom Cruise is asking Donald uh, uh, Donald Trump. About Rodriguez and everything. You know, yeah. Rodriguez, <laughs> and, you know, did you do it? And, and Donald, the fifth, fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> did, did, did you order the code red? Well, I don't know what I did wrong, but I, I, I did, but I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole thing goes on. It's the whole scene with Donald Trump uh, answering all the questions to you, and it was just great. That's fun. It's, you know, and that's good fun. You know, and that's. <clears throat> You know, with the politics, uh, you know, originally when I started doing this show, I'm like, eh, I'm going to talk about politics. I'm like, you know what? I'm not just because it's just a. now I think it's just it's so. Crazy. Yeah. Like everything about politics and, you know, <clears throat> you turn on the news, it's you're bombarded with it. And I found s most of the negative stuff was from watching the news and and sitting there and listen to the politics it's like not that i don't want to be informed and i still listen and i kind of you know okay but i don't let it not that it ran my life but it's like oh my god what's going on now you put on the news and then you you know after dealing with covid for two years yeah. it was like every time you turn the tv on it was doom and gloom but i'll tell you with covid 
you know, I live in a, uh, we live in a, my, my family's farmhouse. It's the second farmhouse that was on the property. It was, this was built in, I think, 1929 or 1930, somewhere around there. It's a two family farmhouse. Uh, my folks live downstairs. We live upstairs. Um, you know, my, myself, my kids, but two of the kids are in college. And, uh, but um, during COVID, everybody's home. They got sent home from school, so they couldn't be in their dorms. You know, my two boys, they were both in high school. My two daughters are both in college. And uh, it was like, oh, okay, how's this going to work? But some of the best times we've had as a family were during that, like, like, oh, we're not, we're not going to take off today. We're going to, we're going to hang out and we're fortunate enough. We have, um, you know, not the whole farm, but we have a section of the farm where we can go outside. The kids can ride their bikes. They can play ball just being outside and you know every night my wife and i would light the chimney outside have a fire relax talk it was just it was some of the best bonding like when my girls were in high school it's funny because the high school you, you know my youngest just graduated high school and uh so the kids when they were in high school totally different personalities from when they're in college and uh, when the girls were in high school, it was like they were both at completely different ends of the earth. They didn't, they didn't, the girls didn't talk. It was just a rough, rough time. Now they're in college, they were in college together. They were living together last year um, when they went back to college because it was like the COVID thing. It just brought everybody closer. And we were home and everybody, like, it was just as crappy and uh, crazy as it was uh, for, for us. It was, uh, it, it was, you know, some of the best bonding experiences and, you know, with my, with my kids, my wife, my folks, you know, they were home. Uh, so it was just different time. It was just, it was very different. We totally missed things, but, well, you know, obviously not because COVID, but missed that time period. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <coughs> we, excuse me, we talk about that all the time. We, uh, miss it. And I, you know, it's funny because I, uh, as a performing musician, touring musician, when the COVID hit and uh, I was invited to do a record at uh, Abbey Road Studios in London, built in London, did some shows, recorded that. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I had a national tour that went from uh, Jacksonville to Seattle. And that whole, pro you know, then I was after Seattle, I was going to go back home and play in London and play at Abbey Road and make a record. And um, and the whole thing was pulled, you know, and there I was, you know, pull, uh, okay. <laughs> and um, it, it was kind of good in one way, only in that we have all the songs done that I wanted to record there. Still don't. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, the um, so um, and I didn't know much about, you know, I was one who got paid to perform, and if anybody wanted my songs or to download them, whatever I got paid, whatever I got paid, um, I got paid uh, for performing, and my music downloads, what are, you know, I have a distributor and I get income from all the streams and so forth. I do. Yeah. I don't really care. I don't need that much. There's that much. So, um, there I was out of my job because my money came from you know the booking fees so covid lands and everybody all these musicians start having online careers and um i figured okay and i had some help i think my daughters you know parents are, you, know, they're more, you know that that age group they know about social media I didn't oh know. yeah oh yeah you know right so um so we, I started boosting uh, just the visibility and, and gaining gaining leverage with my social media. It was always there. I just never, never did anything with it, and I didn't yep. really care. I didn't really care. Um, so 
I even had, early on, early Facebook, I even had somebody do all my Facebook messages, and I started doing shows, and somebody would call up, you know, come up to me after show. So, man, thanks for those tips last Thursday. That was just great that you did that. I'm so glad I came out and got a chance to meet you. That was really helpful. And I'm like, because uh, I, you know, somebody did it. it was my publicist did all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't, I did nothing. Yep. <laughs> so I go, oh, thank you. Oh, anytime, man. A pleasure, a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So I got out of that. I said, okay, I better start getting taking that over. Anyway, so um, social media. Uh, as far as being a musician, started gaining me a very respectable income. A very good That's income. great. And it lasted maybe four months of COVID and then started dying down. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do after that or just kind of got tired of it and just enjoyed drinking my coffee out of the backyard and having my pet squirrels and my pet birds who I adopted out in the backyard and yeah. know, watching the blue sky and not doing anything. And life was good. <laughs> you know? But, yeah. Uh, you know, financially, it was, uh, you know... My wife is a university professor, and we were teaching remotely from home for for some tenure. Got a pretty good paycheck, and that was good. For yep. me, I, I I probably could not have supported my family if it wasn't for my wife during that period. You know, I would've done okay, but I couldn't. You know, they live in L.A. It ain't cheap here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, um, but anyway, um, and I learned that, you know, this whole working from home, social media, um, this it was a what a what a. a, a enlightening experience that was putting COVID aside you know I'm just talking about what you just said the, the actual yep. lifestyle you know, yep you know, uh, yeah no, it, it's def it was definitely I mean it's like you know I'm in Massachusetts so yeah. we're, we're I'm in the western part of Mass I'm I'm more towards the we're like right on the borderline of the Berkshires oh beautiful, beautiful. yeah really nice area so we're we're I'm like 25 minutes outside of Springfield, um, and we're in a little town, East Hampton. We have Northampton and then West Hampton. We, I live in the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> the uh, oh, oh, down in line. No, the other Hamptons, Ma- Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Everybody thinks of Massachusetts, and it just like drops off at Worcester. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, oh you, there's where? Um, yeah, past Worcester. Keep driving. Keep going west. For a while. Yeah. Yeah, for a while. Uh, actually, we're the, the and uh, we're going. There's a venue, Tanglewood, um, out in the Berkshires. Yeah, great, great venue. We're actually going to see uh, Robert Plant and Allison Krauss uh, next month. Oh my God! Oh jeez. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty pretty excited for that wow Enjoy. Wonderful. yeah we will we uh my wife <clears throat> we actually got tickets i want to say it was oh god i december it was probably right around christmas time and, and my wife's like hey robert plant and allison krauss are playing at tingle and i'm like really she's like hey, you want to go i said yeah absolutely uh, i i'm i i absolutely love led zeppelin oh, yeah. and i love allison krauss and and just the two just yeah, like, going to be a real treat. Really excited for that one. They, they cover a song that I also cover. I covered it before they did. <laughs> uh, it's called Killing the Blues. Okay. Killing the Blues. I checked out, and they, they do all kinds of things. You know, they got the album and all that. But uh, the song was written by a guy named Rowan Sy- Rowan Sire. He was a, um, he lives up in the um, uh, U.S. State, up in the U.S. State. He used to play with with the wheel and now he plays bass with um, uh, I can't remember the name of the society he used to do but anyway your, your uh, mic's fading out just a little bit Andy 
I can hear you. It just it just got real faint. Well, I get yeah. you're, you're going to lose service or your phone's ready to die. Yeah, my phone's going to die soon, I think. Yeah, but anyway, this has been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It, it has. And I, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on here. And, uh, you know, the, the you know, the message behind this is just, you know, again, I think we connected on that positivity, you know, people influence good influences in your life, having a positive mindset going forward in life. And, uh, you know, I think you said it best. There's, there's no walls. There's, you know, you can't, it's, you can, you know, moving forward, you can do whatever you want. You know, you have the ability and, and that's, uh, that mindset is, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And as, as you said earlier, I wish more people had it. A lot of people do, but I wish even more did, you know, it's, it's infectious. It, it, it really, I think it is, it, you know, when you're positive and you're happy and you're upbeat and you're smiling that people, people pick up on that. People want that, you know, and it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to, to connect with people on that level. Yeah. You know, I think if more folks focused on making breakthroughs in their life and helping other people make breakthroughs, there'd be less conflict. Absolutely. Around the world. Yeah. Cause it's, it's. It's the, the not being selfish and, you know, self-indulged it, you know, you're, you're, it feels good. I, I know I feel good when I help somebody, like I said, even if it's just holding the door in the morning for coffee, that, and smile and saying good morning to somebody that to me, it's like, oh, I, and if you get a smile back and they say, thank you, it's like, cool. You just started their day on a positive note and yeah. you know, yeah, it's very good. Um, well, I, I, I want to thank you again for doing this, Andy, um, taking the time. I know, uh, we got about a three hour time frame difference. Um, so I, I appreciate you doing it, um, in the middle of the day. Yeah. I'm off um, this studio, actually. Yep. Yep. Back, back to the studio for me today. This has been a wonderful break. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy. I could be part of that for you. And, uh, I, I'd like to thank, uh, Dex for putting us together. Um, you know, this, this was nice. Um, him and I are going to have a chat at some point too. Um, so yeah, good people, really good people. And, uh, it was, it was, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I look forward to, you know, if we can do this again at some point, I would love it. Yeah, you got it. We'll plan on doing that for sure. Absolutely. Positively. I look forward to that. Awesome. Awesome. Andy. This has been great. And thanks very much. And, uh, and we'll stay in touch. All right. Take care now. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that was a episode with Andy Kimball. And uh, I'd like to thank anybody that tuned in, listened. Uh, this will be available on the Podbeancast. Um, thanks for giving a listen. Uh, this is uh, Chewy's Road to Enlightenment. And I'm your host, Tim Young, a.k.a. Chewy, signing off. I want to thank you. Have a good day, everyone.